This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host, and joining me today is Dr. Richard Blackaby. Well, thanks for having me, Sam. It's always our pleasure to host you on your own podcast. <laughs> I find that uh, uh, it's, it's much more uh, effective that way. <laughs> for Richard Blackaby to show up for his, his own, podcast. Yeah, for, for which it is named, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I would always prefer you be here than to not, and so it would be a pretty lousy podcast if you didn't. So. I, well, I'm thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today we are going to do something that we love to do, and, and that is a book review. And we've done these throughout our, our, our podcast, and it's one of my favorite uh, and, and I guess I probably say this about all the different things that we do. They're all my favorites. Uh, they're all it's, your favorites, like your it's kids. Like, it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't pick a favorite child, but uh, but they're all up there. Um, and so what, what book do we have uh, before us today, Richard? Well, this is a different kind of book, but I think a very practical one. Uh, it's a secular book, uh, but it is uh, the book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. An easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones, uh, and uh, and I think it's just in fact our book club is going to be yeah just reading this it's, one right it's now. It's on my list too uh, because uh, I, I I it's just I found it interesting. Now I think t- it came out in uh, around 2018, but I, I think it sold something like over 10 million copies now in the yeah. last uh, several it's years. Phenomenally successful, and, and I'm sure most of our listeners have. Heard of it, if yeah. not already read and, it. It's interesting. I'm also noticing several other uh, podcasters and authors now coming up with books about habits as well. And I, I and they'll cite this one as a very formative book as well. So it's having an impact on leadership thought. Yeah. Um, and so he. It, so this is all about habits, and he calls it atomic habits because that word atomic really is kind of describing small, small changes, small habits. It's, he says sometimes that the idea of a hitting that home run, that one game winning home run hit, uh, we're all looking for that. Like what's the one home run hit I can do in my business, my church, uh, my leadership career that will just propel me to, you know, to greatness. And he says, really, it's a lot more about small changes that just accumulate over time. And he, his opening illustration has become pretty well known of just the British uh, cycling uh, club that uh, for over 100 years did terrible, uh, did terrible in the Olympics and world championships. The French and others, Americans, were, were killing uh, the field, and you know, it was really between them most of the time, uh, and the British never... You just did just did poorly, and so they finally they hire uh, Dave Brailsford, and what he does is he starts working on just small adjustments. It might just be the clothing they wear that's a little better wind resistant, or just you know little things that maybe help the tires on the bicycles uh, hug the road a little tighter, and just and just incremental you know one percent change here, one percent. Uh, improvement there, but then before long, suddenly they're all adding up, and they're starting to win championships and create a dynasty. and And you can't just see one sort of knockout blow that did it. It was just changing the way that they did a number of things. And so yeah. these atomic habits, he says, uh, are they accumulate over time and help you to be more successful. And so, which I think is the great 
uh, insight to the naming of it atomic. Yeah. Because it is tiny changes, but it's also, you know, we know the atomic bomb, which is a very large impact. Yeah. And so I kind of like that sort of uh, that play on words there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It kind of catches your eye. He says a habit is a routine or behavior that is performed regularly and in many cases automatically. He says we all deal with setbacks, but in the long run, the quality of our lives often depends on the quality of our habits. And as I said earlier, he says it is so easy to overestimate the importance of one defining moment and underestimate the value of making small improvements on a daily basis. He says habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. And so, uh, yeah, and he says habits often appear to make no difference until you cross a critical threshold and unlock a new level of performance. And so, you know, it's kind of like deciding I'm going to, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get fit. And so you, you, you do a few things. You buy a better pair of running shoes. You know, you start to like change your morning schedule. So you have time to run and, you know, at first it's very painful and uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like you're losing any weight. You're not, you're, you're running out of breath before you finish your run. But he says, then, then, you know, you just stick with it. You just keep on making those adjustments. And then one day you go out for a run and you just kill it and you realize, okay, this is starting to be fun. And you, you realize you can do this. And uh, a number of little adjustments along the way, and all of a sudden, now you realize, okay, I think this is going to stick. I, I think I can do this. Uh, and so uh, he said, I, I thought it was interesting, he, he has a different view on goal setting. So like he would say, uh, for instance, if you, let's say you, you set a goal, I want to lose 20 pounds. And so uh, that's your goal. And so you try to work towards your goal uh, to lose 20 pounds. But he said there's some, there's some things wrong if you're driven by a goal. Uh, he says, one is winners and losers have the same goals. And so, you hmm. know, those who didn't lose 20 pounds, they had a goal of losing 20 pounds too. They just failed at it. But, and so, and others have a goal to lose 20 pounds and they succeed. And so he says, simply having a goal, I mean, there's lots of people who failed that had the very same goal. So it, it must, there must be more than just goal setting that, that gets you to be successful. And he says, achieving a goal is only a momentary change. Uh, in other words, uh, okay, so I, I'm going to, you know, January 1, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. And, and so maybe you do lose 20 pounds. But then what do you do as soon as you've lost 20 pounds? Yeah. You go and have you ice and cream celebrate. and celebrate. Yeah, and, you, <laughs> and it doesn't often take long before you've gained the 20 pounds back because you're, once the goal is achieved... Then, then oftentimes you stop doing what it took because you think, well, okay, I yeah. did it. I, you I let your foot successful. off the gas. Yeah. Um, and so it, it says also goals can restrict your, your happiness uh, in the sense that, uh, okay, I'm, um, you know, I'm going to just really kill myself here until I get my goal done. And, uh, and if you fail to reach your goal, then you're unhappy about that. And so he said if, if your life is just sort of, centered around, I'm going to be happy if I achieve my goal, I'm going to be unhappy if I don't. Mm -hmm. Then he said, you know, you're you're not, you know, it's going to take a while to achieve your goal. So that means that if your joy is tied into your happiness, you know, your happiness is tied into your achieving a goal, then a lot of your time is going to be spent unhappy. And then uh, long time, then again, just the last one's goals are at odds with long-term progress. And so, it, we always want to kind of let our foot up off the gas once we achieve our goal. 
But there's a lot more that we could achieve if we, instead of thinking short term, just getting a goal accomplished, uh, we actually change our lifestyle. And so he says there's there's a better way to do that. And that is, for instance, instead of saying, I'm going to lose 20 pounds, uh, he says, what's better is when change is tied into your identity. And he, and he says there's, there's three kinds of um, change that you can have. He says one is change of outcomes, and that is a traditional, okay, I, I want to change my weight so that I'm 20 pounds lighter. And yeah. so it's, it's simply an outcome. That's my goal. I'm the gonna, results focus. I'm gonna be, yeah, I'm going to be 20 pounds lighter. A second change is a change in process. So, okay, I'm going to stop eating dessert. I'm going to stop eating donuts. I'm going to stop um, having joy. I'm going to stop having joy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but the, with the goal that uh, I'll eventually, I'll, I've lost weight. But he says what you want to do is you want to, you, you want to tie change into your identity. And so what you want to do is you want to say, I'm not losing 20 pounds just so I'm 20 pounds lighter. Uh, what I really want is I want to, to, be, I want to be a healthy person. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to be a person. Be, as a healthy person, I'm going to do healthy things. Healthy people eat right. Healthy people exercise. And so if, I'm, if it's not just tied to as soon as I lose the 20 pounds and I'm you know, free and easy again, uh, but if you say, no, I'm a healthy person. So as a healthy person, as I, I'm going to naturally do healthy things, and that will, that will more than likely lead to losing some weight. But, but once I've lost that weight, I'm going to continue acting like a healthy person. And so that's going to mean that um, I'm going to continue to be healthy and I might even lose some more weight. Yeah. And so he, he says, you know, real change happens when it's tied to your, your, who you are. Um, and so he says, uh, it, it, it says, it's hard to change your habits if you never change the underlying beliefs that led to your past behavior. Uh, improvements are only temporary until they become part of who you are. Uh, and mm-hmm. so he says, uh, your habits are how you embody your identity. Uh, and so I, one thing I do like, uh, he, he has several things I think that are quite kind of, uh, capt- they kind of capture your, uh, your imagination. And, and one thing he says I thought was really good is he says, uh, every time you do a desired, like let's say that you're, you want to start running and maybe you want to try to you know, get to where you can run 5K a couple times a week. Um, and so, but you're not, you haven't been a runner before. And so it's just a burden. And every day you look at, you know, going outside and running and, and you think, oh, you know, I hate running, but I got to do it. I got to lose this weight. But he says, um, but if you, but, but every time that you, you know, strap on your shoes and you go out and run, he says, you're casting a vote that affirms your new identity. So you might say, well, I'm not a runner, but you know what? For the last year, you've run three times a week. That makes you a runner. You're a runner. Yeah, Uh, yeah, but I don't see myself as a runner. Well, yeah, but but every time you go out and run, you've just cast another vote to say, I'm a runner. Or every time that you pass right by that box of donuts in the the company uh, lobby as you're going in, you're voting and saying, I'm a healthy eater. I, I, I have healthy habits. Well, I didn't used to, but, but so he says, when you keep casting a vote uh, for the kind of person that you want to be, you're, every time you do that, you're reinforcing, I guess I am that kind of person. Yeah. I am that kind of person that doesn't eat to excess. Uh, 
And so uh, I, I like that. It said, habits are the path to changing your identity. Uh, he says, new identities require new evidence. Quite literally, you become your habits. Mm. Uh, and he says, as, as habits are created, the level of activity in the brain decreases. So in other words, you know, in the morning, when, you, when you're first deciding to go for a run, you're thinking to yourself, um, you know, do I, do, I wanna, do I have it in me today? It looks kind of cold outside. I'm a little sore from sleeping last night. Maybe, you know, but, and so you're, you have to sort of fight that battle. Yeah. Okay, There's am I going to run today? a lot of mental today? energy ex- expended. Yeah. But he says yeah. when it becomes a habit where you, you know, when your alarm goes off, you, you throw yourself out of bed, slap on your shoes and your running gear, and you just, you're in motion. He says, your brain isn't having to think through all that anymore. Your brain's not having to analyze, well, how cold is it today? And is it raining out? And uh, how do I feel? And do I have time? Um, he says, so your brain has to work a lot less hard to get you to that point anymore. Because now it's a habit and your yeah. body just knows what to do every morning when you get up. Well, and those those neural pathways in your brain have, have sort of been grooved out to to do that over time like as you've made those decisions over and over they just become easier because they're less of a decision and it's a habit and right. so you're not having to and, and people use think, mental uh, capacity you know people think oftentimes well that's i just want to be enslaved to my habits you know i i don't want to just be out of control in my life i want to be free and spontaneous uh, but he makes a pretty strong case to say, well, real freedom comes from healthy habits. Yeah. Uh, because now you're free. You don't, you don't have to spend so much time thinking and battling and talking yourself into doing good stuff. Uh, and so, at the, you know, with all that time now, and, and, and as you're a more healthy person with healthy routines, you discover you've got more time, you've got more energy, more, more health, a lot of things. Uh, that free you up actually to be the best version of you now. So uh, he 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 kind of pushes back, and some people just don't like you know they don't want to have a bunch of stuff on their calendar that they do or a bunch of you know where they every morning at this time they always get up and they always exercise and so on. Um, but he says that's where real freedom comes from because yeah. otherwise you're just in bondage to basically how you feel every day. And how you feel is going to usually be, I don't feel like running. I don't feel like <laughs> not eating that donut. And, uh, and so he says, you're really in bondage then. You're not fr- you think you're free, but you're not. You're, yeah. you're enslaved to your basic uh, Well, yeah, are you going to be ins- enslaved to your feelings or enslaved to your, your will and your habits? Yeah. Like, I think you're going to be enslaved. Yeah. <laughs> like so, one way or the other. Yeah. So you might as well choose good things to drive you yeah. instead of bad things. And he, he's, his, most of the book is centered around four things that he says, if, you know, for, to, to develop atomic habits. Uh, and he, and he basically he says there's not necessarily, uh, he says, he kind of pushes back from saying there are good habits and bad habits. He says there's just effective habits. What are the habits that are effective in getting what you want? And because uh, he says even bad habits have a, a function. Like you could be a chain smoker, and uh, and you might find that in the short term uh, that relieve. If it's you know it it may be you do it because it relieves stress, and for you know a while it it works. It it's it does accomplish the, your goal. Yeah. It's just that there's a lot of side effects to it in the in the long term. It's going to cause other problems, and so. You want to find, you know, uh, habits that are more effective that don't have the downside that certain habits have. 
But he says there's four things in particular that you want to do to, to develop these kind of habits. And one is just make them obvious. And so, you know, and, and it, that could be anything from like, uh, if you want to eat more healthily, we'll put a bowl of fruit in a very obvious place, uh, you know, make it easy. Put your your running shoes right by your bed when you get up in the morning so that you can't miss it. Uh, you know, and um, yeah, set, set all your clothes out and, and what you need. Yeah. The night before. And it, make it as easy as possible, as obvious as possible. You can't miss it. Uh, it reminds you it's staring you in the face. If you don't, it's like set your Bible out in the morning uh, for your quiet time. So if you walk right past it, you're consciously choosing, okay, today I'm going to just forfeit that habit that I know I should be doing. And and the second thing is, he said, just make it attractive. Uh, you know, don't, don't make it a prison sentence. Uh, figure out how to make it as attractive as possible. So, you know, maybe when you're running, you, you've get a running partner that, um, that runs with you. And so that makes, that changes everything. I found it's always easier to run with someone. I, yeah. I wimp out far less often, uh, when there's someone there with me and it's just fun to do it with someone else. Uh, maybe it's playing, you know, racquetball or tennis or something with someone else, but find a way. Uh, and that doesn't mean that, you know, like I know when my mom was trying to get my dad to go walking, she'd say, well, let's walk to the the muffin shop, you know, but that, so he wanted a muffin and, uh, but it sort of defeated the purpose, but <laughs> you, um, so, uh, but, but, you know, make the habit and, and there's lots of creative ways to do that. And he gives some suggestions there about how to do that as well. It doesn't have to be just drudgery. There's a way to make it fun. And then a third thing is just make it easy. Um, you know, there, there, sometimes people set goals that are just impossible they're out of reach you're you set yourself up to fail uh and so uh, do it in a way that makes it easy to follow through and uh and i one thing he said i thought was interesting he says you know it's better to uh do a part of the goal than not to do it at all and so sometimes we think well because I, I i know i've been like that where it's like well i really want to run 5k but i really don't have 30 minutes to do that today only really got about 15 minutes, so why bother? And he would say, well, it's better to get out there and run even for 15 minutes than, than not at all. Yeah. And, it's, and so there, there's a lot of, it, I think, helpful advice to say. Uh, so, you know, um, don't set goals that are really hard for you. Like if, if you say, I want to go uh, work out at the gym, but, but the gym is on the other side of town, well, you're, you're, it's just not going to, it's not going to be sustainable. Uh, and yeah. so figure out a way that, you know, whatever the, the habit is you want to develop, you've got the tools for it, you've got the space for it, and so on. And uh, and then last one, make it satisfying. In other words, you know, it, 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 there's got to be some kind of reward. Just make sure it's a reward that doesn't go against. counter against <laughs> what you're trying to do. Um, but, uh, but and so he says, and, and he calls it a habit stacking, too, where you may... Uh, if you already have certain habits, like maybe, maybe you want to start taking vitamins. And so he would say, well, if you always have breakfast every morning, then put those, you know, those vitamins right there at the table where you have your breakfast. And so that's, or if you want to have a quiet time, but you know, what is something that you already do habitually already? Mm. Well then stack some other habits with those, make it all part of the same routine now. So when you sit down at the kitchen table, you you read your Bible, you have breakfast, you take your vitamins. And so he said, that's another way to kind of insert uh, habits that stick 
is attach them, stack them in other habits that you've already got nailed mm-hmm. down, that you know you're going to do. I thought something that was very interesting, too, he says, he says a lot about environment. He says, environment is the invisible hand that shapes human behavior. He says, every habit is context dependent. And, uh, and I, and I, I thought, uh, it was an interesting discussion. In fact, he said, he gives an interesting kind of, uh, example of a study that was done, I think around 1970 with soldiers in Vietnam. And when they went over to Vietnam and, and were kind of, uh, investigating the soldiers there, they found that a large percentage, like maybe 15% or so were addicted to drugs. I think even to like heroin, to, to heavy duty drugs. And so they were very concerned about all these drug-addicted soldiers coming back to America. But what they found, which was quite, in, in a sense, counterintuitive, was that, that when the soldiers came back to America, a large percentage of them qu- very quickly got off their drug addiction. And you'd say, well, wait a minute, you're addicted. Like, and heroin is a very addictive drug. Yeah. So like, how could you just stop using it? But what they found is they changed their environment. And in Vietnam, when they were facing danger and peril and possible death, uh, that was very conducive to wanting to use drugs. And when a bunch of the other soldiers were all using the drug as well, and it was available, accessible, it was just that the environment was very conducive to, to drug use. But when they came back to America, many of them suddenly weren't with a bunch of other soldiers. They weren't being shot at every day. Uh, it, it, drugs might not have been as available. And so for many of them, they discovered that in a different environment that was not conducive to that, they were able to to kick their habit. And mm-hmm. so he said that kind of speaks a lot of times to like drug rehab centers, you know, because why does a rehab center often work? Well, you get put in an environment where it's very difficult to use drugs. And so you, you get off your drug habit, but you, you, you haven't really lost your addiction. You've just changed your environment. But, yeah. but then you go back, uh, to the environment that, that led to your addiction in the first place. And what happens? You relapse yeah. because all the cues you're surrounded by cues that are trying to drive you back, uh, to the same habits that were destructive. He said the most persistent behaviors usually have multiple cues. And so, you know, drug addiction often isn't just one thing. It's, a number of things that all point toward a bad habit. And so what he would say is, number one, you know, try to remove those uh, cues. And number two, uh, put positive cues for positive habits. Fill your house with stuff like that. So like, for instance, maybe you're addicted to playing video games and you're playing way too many, of you spend way too many hours doing that. He said he knows people that like maybe will will put the uh, the remote control away, unattach it from the controlling device or whatever the TV, put it in the closet somewhere, uh, or maybe put the entire TV away, and then you know if you're going to say okay, well I'm going to spend an hour uh, when I get home or after after I after dinner or at some point you say okay I'm going to. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out the controller and I'll play it for an hour. Just the fact that it's not right there yeah. uh, makes it easier for you to like not slide back into a, a bad habit of, of playing it too much. Or, you know, of course, if you've got, if you're trying to like eat less snacks, but you've got a pantry filled with snacks, <laughs> uh, you're in an environment that's, that every time you open that pantry to get, you know, something else out and you see all those snacks, it's like, well, me, I just have one bite, you know. Yeah. Um, or I've got this cookie jar 
I'm trying to eat less cookies, but I've got a cookie jar right there with cookies in it. I don't want I, them to go bad. And I keep walking past it to get a glass of water. And so I, you know, uh, so he says, you, you're the architect of your environment. And so uh, if you will fill your environment with, with cues that uh, drive you to good habits and you eliminate the cues with bad habits, uh, then he said, you're, you're, you're much more likely uh, to, to be following good habits. And he says something kind of interesting, he, uh, which I, I guess you just kind of have to think about a little bit, but he, he feels like um, that he, he says one space, one use. And, and his kind of thought is, as best you can, try to have uh, like designated spaces in your house for one primary purpose. And so like, so like, for instance, he would say, okay, if you're sitting in your, on your couch in your living room, if that is to watch TV, then don't make it also your kitchen. Like don't make it where you go get a bag of chips and sit down and now you're eating and recreating at the same time. So like, like if you're going to eat, maybe eat in the kitchen. And so when you're, when you leave the kitchen, you're done eating. And he says the same thing like in your bedroom. He says like, like people that have trouble sleeping at night. He said, but if you have a TV in your bedroom or you bring your tablet into your bedroom, and so it's your bedroom's also a place you watch TV. It's a place where you check the internet. It's a place where you do other things. He said, then if you're if you really then you really struggle sometimes to sleep because you've got too many different cues going on. You're mm-hmm. thinking, well, I'm not sleeping. I wonder if I should just turn on the TV and see what's on there. Uh, so. It's an interesting concept. I I need to think more about that. But uh, he, he said sometimes, you know, you might just live in an apartment, but he said it could even just be okay when I sit in that chair. That's when I, you know, answer emails and check social media. But once I once I get up from there, I don't keep checking social media. I yeah. Here's where I read books or here's where I eat my food or uh, and he said, you know, again, it can kind of seem, um, you know, you, you kind of think, okay, well, how complicated do I have to make this? But, he, but what he's really trying to do, I think, is uncomplicate your life so that you know when I'm here that this is when I exercise and, you know, here's where I rest and yeah. here's where I, I feed myself. And uh, so he said there's, you know, if, if you struggle, he says, w- with being disciplined, you know, he says a lot of times, uh, w- w- let's say that you keep on falling off the wagon and eating bad food, but you know, eating poorly. He says, you know, a lot of times we'll say, well, you just have to be more disciplined, you know, just be more disciplined. But he says something interesting. He said, instead, disciplined people are better at structuring their lives in a way that does not require heroic willpower and self-control. The people with the best self-control are typically the ones who need to use it the least. Hmm. Uh, and so... He's saying, you know, rather than every day it being a battle of, you know, so like if you eat too many cookies and so you say, I've got to have more self-control. I've got to be able to just stop craving cookies all the time. But you keep cookies in your house, you know. Yeah. And and so like he would say, well, disciplined people oftentimes are the ones who just don't put it in the house in the first place. It's not available. They've got, you know, apples or carrot sticks or they've got healthy choices if they're craving something, need to chew on something. Uh, and so you'd say, oh, you're way more disciplined. And, and he would say, well, they, they have been disciplined enough to create an, uh, an environment that doesn't require a lot. Of, you, if all yeah. you got is carrot sticks to eat, you don't have to be real disciplined to not eat cookies. 
You know, yeah. you don't have many other options. Uh, and so he, this whole book just has, um, I, 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 maybe just one last thing to say about that is um, he says that, you know, you're, of course, again, to do with environment, but he says uh, that you can, uh, you can create environments that really support uh, the, the positive habits that you want to practice. And he gives the example of Laszlo Polga, who kind of wanted to do an experiment about this. And so what he did is he, he ended up having three daughters, and he kind of worked this out with his wife, I guess, and they decided that they wanted to create an environment that valued and celebrated chess. And so he had you know pictures of chess masters on their walls. He had chess sets all over the place. He had books uh, on chess and the, the masters and some of the great games and of course, he played chess with his little girls as they were growing up. And, and uh, ultimately, all three girls grew up to be chess masters, grandmasters, uh, world champions and for, uh, for women. And, and, but but uh, when they asked them, like, your, your whole family, like, you just play chess. all you, you grew up in an environment that just, you know, loved chess. And they would say, didn't you feel, like, oppressed? Didn't you feel like that was kind of pushed down your throat? Didn't you, didn't you feel that you wanted to rebel against that and say, no, I'm going to play checkers instead, you know? Uh, and interestingly, they all said, no, we, it was, I, but it was what was celebrated. It was what was cherished, and we were surrounded by it. And so we, we didn't really feel like it was pushed on us. It was like that's our, that was... We, we felt very natural for them. Yeah, and we yeah. just came to uh, enjoy it and to find pleasure in it. And so our dad didn't have to demand, all right, you know, before you can have dinner, you got to play your, you know, your daily chess game. It was more like, dad, before we eat, can we, can we just finish our game first? And, and so I thought a lot about that when it comes to like discipleship and church. Uh, and, you know, maybe it was you're raising your kids, uh, how do you create an environment where it's not really that you're pushing it on your kids as much as you create an environment where things, certain things are celebrated, uh, yeah. that they're affirmed. And, you know, like I just think about, like, uh, as you've seen, uh, I celebrate books. I like books, I like yeah. reading. And so, lo and behold, all three of my kids have libraries. Uh, uh, they all are readers. We have book club. Uh, the, our kids grew up seeing books on shelves. They saw their, their their parents reading books. We had a deal with our kids: if you read it, we will buy it for you. Just you know, whatever book you want, we'll we'll buy it. And when you read it, let us know. We'll buy you another one. And so it was. It, I took my kids uh, to use bookstores and and got all excited about you know treasures we found in the stacks. And so. Uh, because of that, um, lo and behold, they all love books. They're all readers and thinkers. And so uh, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of application to the church, to discipleship as well, just looking at these habits. And yeah. certainly I think for all of us, um, I, 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 as I read this, I just thought, okay, so what are, the, you know, what are some habits? If I really develop this, that, um, that I would... Uh, I'd be a healthier person, uh, you know, more successful at certain things. And the last thing he says is the greatest threat to success is not failure, but boredom. And so he uh, would say that, you know, w once you have a habit and you've been doing it for a while, uh, you know, after you've been running, you know, every morning for five years, it can, he says, you know, that at that point, uh, your biggest battle is going to be boredom. It's like, I, I, 
I've done this for so long now that uh, I, I'm kind of kind of tired of just doing the same thing all the time. And so he has a few ideas about how to maybe change it up or push yourself. He says you got to find some way to maybe stretch yourself. You, it's you're more if it's too easy. Uh, then you, you start getting bored with it. Yeah. And so you need in some way to always be pushing yourself a little further or find some new dimension uh, that changes it up somehow. But uh, but it, it certainly was a very... Uh, I, I can see why it's uh, sold so many copies. And of course, yeah. he's, not a, he's not a Christian, so uh, this particular book is going to you know use science and human reasoning uh, I think you have to kind of baptize this writing to think from a Christian perspective. He doesn't talk about, you know, the role of the Holy Spirit as well in helping you to to break out of some bad habits and to fashion some new ones. Uh, but I think there is some real practical advice, and I think just the concept of habits themselves, for a Christian, I think, uh, where you just, you, you get some godly habits in place where you don't have to agonize about it, you know, debate about it, yeah. You just get up and you just do it. Uh, I think is a good word uh, for all of us, and so we'll we'll uh, we'll see what everyone comes up with when we discuss it in the next book club. For sure. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to finishing it, and uh, as always, we'll leave links to this book uh, in our show notes. And let us know what you think if you've read this or if you plan on reading it. Uh, we'd love to hear from our listeners and and just uh, a word or two about. Uh, uh, how you found this book, and if you've if it's changed any of your habits uh, or the way that you organize your life. And uh, until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.